0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: All right. Uh, Doesn't look like we had a countdown. So what's up, guys? Welcome into the Wolverine live recruiting show. Sorry we were uh, taking it back there. We were scared like Libby's Libby's afraid of the dark, uh, apparently. Um, I'm your host EJ Holland. Welcome into the Wolverine live recruiting show. This is my co-host Zach Livy. Uh, and we're here to talk about the latest in Michigan recruiting, which isn't much considering most of the headlines have been dominated by the sign stealing scandal. We'll talk about the impact of that and much more, but let's go ahead and just start off with an off topic question. Are you afraid of the dark Zach? I'm
0: just getting dogged in the comments today. Um, no, I i mean, you know me, my sleep schedule is like 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. every day. So I, most of my time is spent in the dark writing. So no, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I can confirm that Zach is not afraid of the dark. He could be afraid of uh, another thing someone brings up in the chat, but we'll save that for later on. Um, let's go ahead and dive into what the people are here for, and that is. Is the sign-stealing scandal situation, I feel like scandal is a strong word, is the sign-stealing situation really impacting Michigan recruiting? So we've had all these headlines about Connor Stallions and obviously, you know, stealing the signs from Big Ten opponents, sending people to go watch games in different stadiums and all that nonsense. But nobody's really talking about whether or not this will actually impact Recruiting, which is our jobs to talk about since we actually cover Michigan recruiting. So, Zach, what's kind of your takeaway from the sign-stealing situation as it pertains to Michigan recruiting? I guess if you're going to talk about the impact,
0: right, like it's all scenario-based, um, both long-term and short-term. Um, I guess if you think about the long-term, you know, let's say, as the investigation is ongoing, let's say it ends with sanctions or punishments, you know, you could see a reduction of official visits or unofficial visits. Um, Recruiting contact, like communications, can be, um, you know, prolonged, like the ban of that. Same with, like, days on the road for coaches in their evaluations in person. Um, Worst case, you know, you can think about total number of scholarships get reduced on an annual basis. Um, I guess the short term would be, like, new coaching staffs or a turnover in the staff, you know, from the top to the bottom or wherever. Um, and, you know, that could potentially affect the 24 commits, you know, looking elsewhere or backing out of their pledges. Uh, key targets in the, uh, in the 25, 26, 27 classes. You kind of have to start over with new relationships, with new coaches. But I guess right now, if how it impacts, I feel like the – I don't know. I feel like we've we've both talked about we've both talked to recruits, you know, slated to go to Michigan, their parents, you know, their loved ones this week. And I feel like the feeling, I guess, from what I've gathered, it's that Michigan versus everybody, it kind of coincides with what the players and the parents of those of those on the current roster feel right now, too. You know, you have their their loyalty to the program is i feel like it's increased right like you've already seen some commits tweet out lock emojis um you know the backs of the people affected in this sc- uh, scandal um you know they they have the people slated to come in they they have them till the very end and um i don't know i feel like i, I, I guess the 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 bond or the rapport or everything that was built before coming committing i feel like that's still locked in and I feel like it's, like I said, it's just that Michigan versus everybody mentality for everyone that we've spoken to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think the situation here has really impacted recruiting in the same way that, you know, Burger Gate didn't really impact recruiting much other than having the two-game visit ban for, for the first two home games of the season. And even then, you know, that was minimal impact and, and self-imposed. Um, You know, this situation is obviously a little bit different. It looks like it's going to be a little more serious than Burgergate was. But I don't think the, you know, starting off with the 2024 class, I don't think the commits are really affected by it. You know, Zach said there were some commits today, tweeting out the lock emoji and, and being solid. So, You know, we had a chance to talk to some of the commits over the weekend. For example, I saw three commits this weekend. I saw Devin Baxter, Owen Waifel, Dominic Nichols, and and Zach saw Micah Kaapana. And all four of them told us on the record that there was no impact for them. You know, they're fully behind Michigan. They fully support Michigan no matter what the headlines say. They believe in Jim Harbaugh. They believe in the program. So I think, you know, at at least the commits we've had a chance to talk to, they're, you know, fully locked in. There's nothing to worry about the the 2024 class. And even moving forward, looking ahead at the rest of the 2024 class, there aren't that many spots left in the class. And I think that Michigan is going to conduct or, or at least take this week in a business as usual approach, they're going to continue to evaluate senior film. You could even see some 20, 24 offers go out this week as they, you know, hit the recruiting trail. We still expect the staff to be out on the road later in the week. We'll see if that changes depending on what happens with this situation. But as of now, I expect the staff to keep their heads down, keep evaluating film keep looking for guys to fill those four or five remaining spots, keep recruiting some of their flip targets like Elias Rudolph and Nitro Tuggle. So I don't think anything is going to change in the building at all. I don't think anything's going to change in the 2024 recruiting class. And I don't think anything really changes with the 25 class either. At least for now, they're still sending out offers. They're still planning to host guys on visits uh, for the game against Purdue here next weekend. So Yeah, I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, not much. Now, where things could change, like Zach kind of alluded to, is long-term. If you do have some punishment handed down from the NCAA, you could see, you know, some of the the things Zach mentioned, like a reduction in uh, official visits. You could see more visit weekend bans, like we saw earlier this season. You could see a limitation on the number of coaches that are able to go out on the road. You could see a limitation on Jim Harbaugh himself being able to go out on the road, but this is all, you know, speculation on potential punishments and not exactly uh, what will happen. Now, if this leads to some staff movement in the offseason, that's when we're going to have full concern about Michigan recruiting. But as things stand now, it's kind of just from, at least from a recruiting perspective, it's just wait and see business as usual I, again, fully believe the staff's going to keep doing their job. The commits are going to stay locked in. Me and Zach are going to keep doing our jobs and writing about recruiting and going out and seeing guys on the road. So, uh, again, nothing really changes for us until there's some type of punishment handed down or there's some type of staff movement. So, you know, anybody that has concern about this impacting Michigan recruiting in a negative way, I think, can calm down because I don't think it's, you know, going to have an effect on recruiting. I don't think it's had an effect on recruiting. So that's kind of my overall take on it. Zach, anything else to add on this situation as we clear it up for um, the people watching?
0: I mean, like you said, business as usual for us, we're going to keep doing what we do best. And until something happens, you know, we're not we're not going to change anything.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, the last thing I'll add is, you know, I think the more pressing issue in terms of recruiting is just getting a Jim Harbaugh contract done, but obviously you can't really do that in wake of all of this, you know, madness. But I think that keeping the NFL rumors at a minimum this offseason, keeping the contract or getting the contract situation done is of more, you know, importance than, you know, this, situation going on right now I think recruits are paying more attention to what happens to Jim Harbaugh this offseason now could this situation cause Harbaugh to take a closer look at the NFL you know that again is is speculation but if it does that's obviously going to have a big impact on recruiting but as things stand right now there's no reason to worry there's no concern about this situation it is full-on Wait and see what happens. And I will say our team guys are doing a great job of staying on top of this. Uh, Chris Ballas, Anthony Broom, Clayton Safey are your go-to guys for everything. Sign stealing. Zach and I are just the recruiting guys. So for everything, sign stealing. Our team guys have been putting up great things on our YouTube channel. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Help us get to our next goal of 24,000 and also like this video, and if you're not a subscriber to the Wolverine and you want more intel on the latest happenings with Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, and the NCAA, you can subscribe today for just $1 for one month. All right, let's go ahead and talk about some actual recruiting. Zach, you were on the road in Arizona and had a chance to see Kansas commit Deshaun Warner, who's been getting some bumps in the rankings, is an on three hundred prospect. Michigan, of course, looking to fill a need at the edge position. After seeing Warner in person, how do you feel about Michigan's flip chances?
0: Yeah, so when he got offered, I feel like there was a lot of excitement. Considering Michigan pulled the trigger on someone that's had a ridiculous rise as a senior, right? Like if you watch his midseason se- midseason highlights, I mean he would be the quintessential type of prospect as a speed rusher with violence, six foot four, 215 pounds, kind of on the lake side. I mean, I kind of feel like he's in the same mold as Elias Rudolph, former edge commit. Uh, so far through this year. I think he's had like 12 sacks, um, you know, even more total for a loss. Um, during my game that I saw him, which was on Thursday, he had four total tackles and a decisive win um always played in a 2 point stance he was you know never lined up specifically he was either strong side or weak side it just depended on the play um i feel like his really re- you know he had a really big bump on you know i think 3 of the 4 primary recruiting services and you could see that in the game you know like you could he you could see that he's focused on a lot of technique kind of drills and Areas of focus with that in the off season, you know, there's some plays where you know he showed a really good pass rush move set. You know, different, you know, fighting, hand fighting, and working different ways to get to the quarterback. Um, like I said, he's violent. I mean, some of those tackles that he made were, um, you know, were kind of ridiculous. You know, he just wants he sticks his shoulder into the pads and delivers a blow, and that's something that you know, if you want to play for Michigan, that's what you got to do. But um, you know, you can still see, you know, there's some things he's got to work on, too. I think there's proper angles, um, some other areas that definitely need to be worked on. But, um, you know, Michigan does see a lot in him. Obviously, we spoke to him after the game and Warner said three of Michigan's coaches are in contact with them. That includes pass rush specialist Dylan Roney, who's been um, a key asset on the recruiting trail, um, especially with those edge rush uh, prospects. Um, area recruiter Jay Harbaugh who handles the entire Phoenix Valley um, he's the one who first uh, set up communication with Warner in Michigan all the way back to when he was a sophomore and then communication picked up significantly in the spring earlier this year but uh Warner also mentioned assistant director of recruiting Sam Popper who if no one knows recently got hired right before the season in August he came from Memphis as the director of player personnel and He's been really good asset, I think, too, in just identifying prospects, especially in out of region areas. So, um, communication happens daily with that staff. And Warner obviously knows how big of an offer it was, considering the, the development of edge rushers to the NFL and just the pedigree, right? Top five ranked program nationally every year. Like that's, and of course, Michigan was his first offers right after he committed to Kansas in J- July. And now Ohio State and Maryland have done as well. But I mean, look, I've, I don't, you know, Kansas. I think it's going to be very hard to beat. You know, you see him on social media, very pro Kansas. You know, he's recruiting others to the to Lawrence. I mean, he has a great relationship with all those commits. I mean, I think he's really bought into what the Jayhawks are doing under Lance Wygul. And speaking of Wygul, he was actually there at the game that I was there, and Wygul was there with two other assistants. I think the pass the pass rush coordinator i think too was there so they've really shown a lot of love to warner for a long time and i think that's really being reciprocated well um you know i i know michigan offered late so if they do want to take get him on a visit i think it'll be after the season um the the regular season is still going on for arizona so um as long as he's still in the playoffs. I don't think he'd be taking visits elsewhere. And, you know, I asked and he said that something's going to be discussing with his family about taking, you know, going to Ann Arbor for the first time. And he just wants to see the culture behind the scenes. So it's a wait and see thing. And Michigan can get him on before national signing day. But I think, you know, as of right now, I think Kansas is the clear leader and it's just going to be tough to flip him considering the amount of work that the Jayhawks have done already.
1: Yeah. And talking to some sources close to Michigan, kind of corroborating what Zach said I think Warner is going to be a much tougher flip from Kansas than initially thought I think there was a lot of optimism when Michigan first offered especially given those pre-existing relationships but uh, you know I, I think right now if you you know if we had to make picks it would probably be Warner sticking With Kansas, the good news is Michigan appears to be in a better spot to keep one of its two remaining edge commits in Dominic Nichols. But before we talk about him, we do have a new sponsor on the podcast, and that is John West of Genesis Sourcing Solutions, your credit card processing solution. Hey, business owners, modernize and improve your business with Genesis, guaranteed to improve your rates their cutting-edge system seamlessly integrates with QuickBooks and most point of sales systems. This integration will save you time, money, and effort. Genesis is one of the few processors who still offer different forms of cash discounting where you can offer a cash price and a credit card price so that you never pay credit card fees again. Ask me how you can say goodbye to credit card fees forever. Genesis is a national processor with accounts in 41 states and growing. They probably serve every type of business with credit card processing, including online businesses, accountings, auto repair shops, plumbing services, lawyers, dentists, restaurants, and more. Whatever your industry, we have a tailored uh, credit card processing solution to cater to your specific needs. Applying is a breeze with their simple online application. Don't wait. Another movement Seize this opportunity and revolutionize the way you process credit cards. Join Genesis sourcing solutions today and take your business to the next level. Call John at 847-691-6388 or visit him at gensourcing.com. That's John West with Genesis credit card processing. Um, so yeah, I'm not a business owner, but if I were a business owner, I would be using uh, John West because I'm terrible at managing my credit card. So especially with all the travel that I do, maybe I should call John West anyway. Um, but let's, get, let's go ahead and get back to Dominic Nichols. Um, you know, there was some concern about Nichols earlier in the fall. And when I went out to see him in late August, there were still a few schools in contact, mainly Clemson, Wisconsin, and Florida State. So I went out to see Nichols again over the weekend and you know, just straight up asked him where things stood with his commitment. And he was quick to say that he feels better, you know, about his pledge to the Wolverines. The only school really still in contact is Florida State, but as of today, he has no plans to make a visit out there or Anything of that nature. He's been in weekly contact and and basically almost daily contact with Michigan pass rush specialist Dylan Roney, he has great relationships with Jesse Minter, Michigan's defensive coordinator, as well as Michigan defensive line coach Mike Elston. So, you know, as things stand right now, I feel good about Nichols sticking. He plans to enroll early at Michigan and um, you know, I thought he was really impressive on Friday night as well, just from a player's standpoint, you know, he's listed at six foot five, 255 pounds. He's down to like 235 pounds. He's really dropped some weight. He looks faster. He looks quicker. Um, he's really athletic. He's great when he can just pin his ears back and get after the quarterback, really good athlete that excels as a basketball player and also get some time as a, a tight end and a wide receiver. So, You know, you look at Nichols, and he was ranked pretty high early on. I mean, he was an on 300 prospect, and now he's a three-star across the board. He had a foot injury in the offseason that slowed him down. He gained some weight, and I think now he just looks like a completely different player. He looks like what we thought he would be when he was an underclassman, so I wouldn't be surprised if Nichols gets a bump in the rankings. If you haven't watched his senior film, there's a reason why schools like Clemson and Florida state wanted to flip this guy. He's, you know, I think he's a, a terrific pass rusher. I think he's a four-star guy. Um, and like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a bump in the rankings and both he and Devin Baxter are a great duo as Michigan looks to add some other pieces, maybe not Deshaun Warner, but uh, you can see some new names pop up this week as they continue to evaluate that senior film. Obviously, Zach and I had a chance to see some other commits on the recruiting trail over the weekend. Zach made his way all the way to Las Vegas, where he gambled and lost thousands of dollars. But he was was able to see. uh, Unfortunately, Zach had a bad time at the blackjack table, but he was able to see Micah Kapana. Four-star running back out of Bishop Gorman, who a lot of you guys have been curious about. Zach is the only guy in the entire industry, maybe? Uh, Definitely the Michigan market, but perhaps the industry that's actually seen Micah Ka'apana run the football live. So, Zach, what were your biggest takeaways from actually seeing Ka'apana in person?
0: Let's start with the game first. Um, It was senior night. Um, Bishop Gorman was 9-0 and heading into the game. Um, I spoke to someone in Phoenix, and they were asking, like, where I was going. And I said, Bishop Gorman, they're playing so-and-so. And And they said, get ready for a running clock. And sure enough, yes. (laughs) Um, Four touches, 62 yards, two touchdowns. Um, He ran one route, which was a corner route. Um, You know, that was his performance of the night, which – Um, you know, compared to previous weeks. I mean, obviously a bigger workload, um, but there was a reason for that, obviously, you know, one it's senior night and then I'll go through the rest. But I mean, I think what you saw, what I saw in the game was exactly what got fans excited when we first saw his junior film. I mean, just ridiculous speed in the open field has great vision uh, takes on contact uh, runs angry. Uh, He can make that first move and then break up up upfield he can he runs just as well outside as he does in between the tackles so Michigan's getting a really good running back and a great complimentary piece to pair with top 100 running back Jordan Marshall I mean I think they're two assets in their abilities you know just kind of mirror what Blake Quorum and Donovan Edwards have been able to do these past three years but you know I think you know, like you said, a lot of questions about just his total workload. I mean, 45 carries total through 10 games, 528 yards and seven touchdowns. I mean, yeah, I mean, compared to like, let's say Jordan Marshall, I mean, it's obviously lower. But I mean, look, when you play for the number one ranked program in the country, there's other pieces, too. There's other Division One guys. So the, there's obviously a share load. And being that they play teams like I saw last week where there's a running clock, you don't play all four quarters. So in that period, you don't have to you don't you're not asking to you know have this a lot of mileage. Like you don't end up having this toll in your body. You're always fresh. Um which I feel like that's honestly a good thing when he when he gets when Micah gets to Michigan, right? Like he's not going to have this as I mentioned, he's, he's, there's not much, much on the tracks. Like he's coming in fresh. He's going to have this chip on his shoulder to prove that he can be that bell cow. And I mean, if he ever, if he played for any other school in the country, he would obviously have more than just what he has now. But like I said, when you're all your teammates are going to division one and you have running clocks to begin the second half, you're just not going to end up playing 48 minutes every week. Um, but regardless, he's still a focal point in that offense. I mean, of the eight offensive series that Bishop Gorman played on Friday, Micah played in four of them, and he scored on two of them. So, as I mentioned, he's going to have that chip on his shoulder to prove that he can be that starter. in every every down ball carrier, he's he meant he went in depth after the game about the opportunity to work under Mike Hart. You know, someone who played at Michigan, someone who started all four years at Michigan. You know that he went in depth about what Mike Harkin specifically help him improve on the field. He mentioned his relationship with Jordan Marshall and just the excitement that they have to make an impact as freshmen, you know, they worked out together at the barbecue at the big house in July. So they kind of have a feel for each other. Um, you know, this is a kid who committed a week after taking his first ever visit to Michigan in June. So he's all on board about the culture and the traditions and just the opportunities that running backs at Michigan specifically can have. And, um, you know, I asked him about early enrollment. That's going to be – that's still in the process. That could or could not happen. And if it does happen, you know, that's more chances for him to move up the depth chart and show what he can do. But um, I think it just further proved that, you know, he's someone that fans should be excited about. I think he deserved that big bump on, on three. He's now the number one player in Nevada. Um, but yeah, and you know, this is a Mike Hart find he offered him in April. And I think someone like him who, as I mentioned, he's coming in just fully healthy and just has something to prove. I think that just works mixes well into you know, finding a
1: spot or a role as early as a freshman. Great rundown there by Zach. We actually have a big super chat from T Hammer nine ninety-nine. He says, once we beat down Ohio State again, do you think that gives us any chance at Justin Scott or Aaron Scott, or are they both lost causes? For those of you that don't know, Justin Scott, five-star defensive lineman out of Chicago, and Aaron Scott, top 100 corner out of Ohio, both committed to Ohio State over Michigan in the offseason. Zach, I'll let you uh, take that one.
0: I mean, look, I mean – Michigan made both prior made both priorities. We all know what happened in July with both players. I mean, you know, Georgia is making Justin Scott a big priority this fall. I think I saw a video of him wearing Georgia gloves. Um, you know, Aaron Scott has a family lineage and he's like 45 minutes for Columbus. And he loves what the uh, Tim Wall and all those guys can do for him. So I don't know. Probably not. I
1: Probably not. I feel like Michigan gave it their shot,
0: and, uh, you know, they've moved on, I think.
1: Yeah, uh, we haven't really heard much buzz on either prospect, Justin or Aaron. Uh, I think Michigan obviously would have to get him in for that game against Ohio State and and really put it on the Buckeyes, and you never know. I mean, this time of recruiting, it's always full of surprises, but, you know, I think that's more optimistic than – realistic right now so yeah just not a lot of buzz uh, between either but we definitely appreciate the super chat t hammer remember tonight is not the q a show it is the super chat show so if you do have a question that you want answered uh, make sure and leave a super chat and we'll get to it for sure we actually are doing off-topic questions. And we have KW says, is Zach afraid of the desert? Were you afraid out there? This was your first time in Vegas. And uh, you did tell me that you walked into Caesar's palace like Alan and we're like, is this the real Caesar's palace? I know you were lost out there. You lost all your money as well. So did you come back afraid of the desert?
0: If I'll just put it like this, if, if Michigan ever, if I ever re if there's ever a reason to, I'm moving out there. <laughs> like <Eric. laughs> Zach um, loved losing his money he was impressed with the shows and other adventures yeah, dude, like all the great restaurants there you know like Panda Express Rainforest Cafe um McDonald's like everything is available for shake me.
1: Shack they have a shake Shack
0: Shake Shack what a burger in and out it's just literally you can't I, I'm gonna sh- send you a video that I took when we're done with this but it's just the perfect place
1: for a guy like me honestly. <laughs> you, was this your first time having Whataburger?
0: Yes. Every other okay. time that I've been in the desert, it's been In-N-Out. But I've made them. I've made a mistake. Green Hatch Chili Burgers are the best thing to ever come out of fast food burgers. So, shout out Whataburger. You're the best.
1: I will find I'll say that Zach finally had a good food take, and he picked Whataburger over In-N-Out. So, That's shout right. out to Zach. Um, let's wrap it up with two commits that I've seen that uh, I've seen many times and I've talked about on the show quite a bit but had a chance to get another evaluation of both of them it kind of just worked out that way you know as you guys know I saw Dominic Nichols earlier in the fall but was just Completely, my plans completely got blown up by lightning delays, and I only got to see him in a quarter of action. So, I went back to the DMV to see Nichols, but Baxter had a Saturday game, and Owen Wayful had a rare Friday afternoon game. So, let's go ahead and start off with Owen Wayful, who was the first of the commits that I saw. Um, Wayful and Hun School. We're supposed to play Baltimore St. Francis, uh, except that the St. Francis they played was their quote unquote varsity team and not their travel team. So this was a complete blowout. Um, waffle or waffle. I almost called Waffle Waffle, waffle man. It's going to happen. Uh, when he gets it, to it's Michigan, gonna
0: it's just going to be Waffle. People are going to have Waffle posters. Just It's, gotta... not,
1: it's not Waffle. It is waffle. so everybody should get used to saying waffle, though I feel like everybody's just going to call him Waffle. But no There's offense there. to Owen. Um, obviously, I've been extremely high on waffle. I've continued to call him Mason Graham 2.0. When you look at what he does well in the trenches, this guy is extremely strong. Really powerful great first step he does a fantastic job of getting his hands on offensive linemen tossing them to the wayside was doubled and tripled for most of the day when he was out there he only played a half due to the running clock, Um, but he was able to knife through double teams really well had a couple of tackles for loss. Uh, one of the clips I posted of Waiple kind of went viral there where he had the body slam on that poor kid. Also deceptively athletic, at some time at fullback and serves up pancakes there as well. There's just a lot to like about Owen Waiple and him being ready to come in and make an immediate impact. You know, he's not necessarily this big NFL projection type of guy in the same way that Mason Graham wasn't. But I think he's going to really exceed his ranking Um, he's currently ranked as a three-star in the industry ranking two of the services have him as a three-star ESPN and Rivals have him as a four-star I think Owen Wafel is a four-star I'm looking at him as a guy that is going to make an early impact at Michigan uh, in the interior of the defensive line Uh, like I've said many times I really see a lot of Mason Graham in Owen Wafel. and I just don't think that Owen I think the the thing that sucks about Owen Wafel's situation is he's not getting as much late attention as Mason Graham because I'm the only one that ever goes and sees this kid. Like there's nobody else in the entire industry, I think, that goes and sees Owen Wafel. When Mason Graham was a senior and his stock was rising and his rankings were going off the charts, he was playing at Anaheim Servite, and so he was playing Modern Day, He was playing St. John Bosco. He was playing Jay Sarah, and you had – everybody and their moms out there seeing mason graham completely dominate against the best teams in the country um you know playing in that trinity league that gives you a lot of exposure with owen Waifel, you know he's out in new jersey there you know isn't a lot of media out here in general um the national guys haven't seen him so you know i don't think owen Waiful is getting the benefit that mason graham did from an exposure standpoint but i still think you know, he's kind of, yeah, I had Mason Graham higher than I do Owen wayful but I think he's that caliber of a player. So I think Owen wayful much like Cole Sullivan, are the two biggest sleepers in the class. Um, aside from wayful I had a chance to see Devin Baxter on Saturday afternoon in another game against a very bad team. <laughs> Devin <laughs> Baxter was uh, dominant in the first game. 15 minutes of the game, which is all he played in because he did suffer a minor injury, hoping Baxter gets on the field again and healthy. But, um, you know, for those 15 minutes he was on the field, he was great. He had a touchdown reception on a screen pass while playing wide receiver. Uh, Never comes off the field, actually a two-way starter. Uh, Played against a team that ran a really vanilla elementary school style offense like the type of offense that you see at uh, pop warner games on saturdays like they had like a multiple eye formation where the only time they they passed was off of play action basically um so not a lot of opportunities for devin baxter to really pin his ears back and get after the quarterback still he had a couple of tackles for loss couple of quarterback hurries and then came out of the game Um, But, you know, this is this is a kid that's a legit candidate to be on the freaks list in the future. I mean, he's six foot five, 235 pounds, might be an inch taller than listed. When you look at some of the clips I posted of Baxter on social media, I mean, he just towers over his high school teammates and the opposition. Um, Really good basketball player as well. Actually grew up playing quarterback, really smart. Player Really high football IQ. His father is actually the defensive line coach at Gwynn Park. They spend a lot of time breaking down film together, breaking down what Michigan does um, as well. So, um, yeah, just a lot to like about Devin Baxter's upside. He's still not a finished product. You can see still see he needs a bit of technical work. Uh, he, he can still work on his flexibility and bend as well. I'm interested to see where his body takes him. He's not a kid that was like 210 pounds and then he gained some weight and now he's 235. He's a guy that was like 260 and moved down to 235. His weight can fluctuate and he still looks really, really good. So I'm really excited to see what Ben Herbert can do with a guy like Devin Baxter. And I mean, that wingspan is tremendous. You know, if you can teach him to use his length to his advantage, I think Nichols does that a little better than Baxter right now. But I think Baxter's upside is, is one of the biggest in the entire class. And anybody that's watched this show knows I've uh, felt like that for a long time. I think Baxter can continue to climb up in the rankings. um, If he does finish out his senior season, which again, hopefully he does. um, And that injury is not too significant, but um, yeah, I mean, just a lot to love about uh, all the guys I saw this weekend. You know, Wayful, Nichols, Baxter. That's the future of the Michigan defense. So both very exciting. And we have to finish um, the show with one last off-topic question. And it comes from our guy, John A. Schultz, loyal uh, follower of the show. And he commented again, so we didn't forget about you, John. Does Zach believe in Bigfoot? or Sasquatch, I guess the same slash Sasquatch, you know, same guy, you know, maybe in Europe it's different. Like, is the Yeti different than Sasquatch or Bigfoot? You know, these, these are things that are way over our head, but the the biggest question, obviously is Zach afraid of them. I mean, probably.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if, if I saw a seven foot, monkey or gorilla looking person with thumbs coming at me, I'd probably be afraid. But I mean, I bet it's real. Like, wait, no. In Denver, that video of people on the train saw oh yeah, it. yeah. I did see that. Oh, well, it is real. It's just no one's caught it. So I think it's I mean, there's so much forest in trees and woods in this country and the world. I bet there's something out there that
1: looks, resembles a Bigfoot. I I have been on the Appalachian Trail and, uh, you know, live close to West Virginia. Now I've been to West Virginia like three times now. It's a great time. And I feel like, you know, Bigfoot could be out there because unlike the Rockies, I guess, it's very forested and all the time, and it's impossible to see through different places. Like, my wife and I went on a hike the last time we were in West Virginia, and we were over towards um, Beckley Springs, where if anybody even knows where that's at, and it's impossible to just, like, see 10 yards in front of you. Like, if Bigfoot was there behind a tree, I wouldn't even know, right? So, I I mean, I believe, I want to, like, I told my wife uh, that I wanted to take uh, a class in cryptozoology so we could go camp out there next time we're out there and try to track down Bigfoot. So, you know, I believe I'm a Bigfoot enthusiast. Next time I'm in West Virginia, I'm definitely uh, going to keep looking for Bigfoot. So, Zach, well, you can... I'm actually going to be Zach, you're man. going to be... I'm
0: going to that area this weekend. You so, are. <laughs> I will be bringing my instincts of supernatural beings and finding the Bigfoot for you.
1: Well, if you've ever been to Ohio State Country um, in West Virginia, like the border of Ohio and West Virginia, it's a very strange place. One time I stopped there for gas and it looked like deliverance and like the people were going to kill me. Uh, while wearing their Ohio State gear. <laughs> um, so, you know, he, he could be living out there with Mothman. I definitely need to go to the Mothman Museum. Actually, next week, we'll talk about Zach's beliefs in Mothman, but uh, and we'll talk about my beliefs in the Chupacabra tomorrow. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, make sure to join us tomorrow, actually, uh, for our YouTube uh, Q&A. And before we get out of here, we actually have uh, our closing sponsor, Lewis Jewelers, uh, to ensure that every client that walks through their doors or peruses their virtual store uh, is taken care of. Lewis Jewelers has a non-commissioned, trusted advisor team that's always ready to provide a professional experience, advice, and expertise. No pressure, no commission located in the bustling city limits of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Lewis Jewelers proudly serves the Ann Arbor, and surrounding southeastern Michigan communities by providing an exquisite selection of fine jewelry as well as excellent customer service to its residents and visitors. Visit them at their new location, 300 South Maple Road, Ann Arbor, or online at lewisjewelers.com. So again, shout out to Lewis Jewelers and Genesis Solutions for sponsoring tonight's show. Join me tomorrow on our YouTube channel for the Q&A. Like this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and Zach, will see you next week uh, to talk about everything Mothman.